Great Commission Day is an opportunity between April 1 and June 30th for churches to specially focus, again, on international missions, to respond in prayer and to give financially so that the 700 workers around the world in the Alliance can remain present in their places. The theme of GC Day 2022 is Be Present. It's an invitation to be present to what God is doing in our midst, but it's also a reminder that the best way to carry the gospel around the world is to be present. Our workers have to be physically in places to communicate the gospel. It's why, for example, we're able to get aid to folks suffering in Ukraine through comma because people have been present in that country and national leaders have been raised up to receive that kind of aid. And we have situations like that all over the globe where our workers may be, in a literal sense, the only gospel presence that people may encounter. So this year, as we celebrate GC Day, let's remember to pray for workers who need to be present and to give generously and sacrificially so that we can be present with them, living the call together. Thanks for your partnership in the kingdom. It means so much. If you can, please stand up and worship with us. Um, just put yourself in the posture of worship. Um, and yeah, uh, let's begin.
song for Mother's Day, because that was a baby bouncing song, wasn't it? <laughs> so speaking of which, happy Mother's Day. Um, let's just clear something up real quick here. You may have seen an internet meme of, that said something, you ever feel like a bad parent? Uh, well, you need to know that there's this Australian marsupial by the, it's called a quokka, in uh, quokka, something like that, and uh, they are known for tossing their babies to predators. And uh, Jonas referenced that this morning. I looked that up. That's not true. They do not throw, they can't throw their babies. But what they do do is while they're running away from the predator, they have a little eject button that shoots them out of the pouch <laughs> and then leaves them behind. So it doesn't make it any better. All that's from the internet, so I don't know if any of that's true or not. But. Again, happy Mother's Day. We realize that Mother's Day can be kind of, it's kind of one of those tough days to navigate. I mean, there are people that really want to be mothers, and, and that hasn't happened. Did you know that Isaac prayed for his wife, Rebecca, for 20 years before she became a mother? And then she had Esau and Jacob, so if that's how God answers prayer, you know, that's, sometimes that's a difficult thing. Sometimes we have kids here who have lost their mothers, or mothers who have lost kids. Uh, so many different ways that this could be a happy day, but also kind of a difficult day for some. But we want you to know at Common Ground, you are safe to feel however you want to feel on Mother's Day. And we'll stand with you uh, along with that. So please understand that when we say Happy Mother's Day, uh, we include the whole gamut of emotions that can be involved with that. Now another thing that is a happy thing is our congrats to the graduates. Well done. Well done. And uh, when we say that, that, we mean that for the college graduates who just now have received their diplomas this weekend. And uh, well done on that. And we've got at, at least one high school graduate on the way here who will be walking pretty soon, Creedence. So, um, 
So congrats in advance on that as well. Uh, so square one, uh, the, the term square one means to go back to the beginning, and that's something that really is what discipleship is all about, to constantly be brought back to scripture, brought back to Jesus Christ, and uh, making sure that we haven't drifted, so to speak, from God's mission, which is easy to do. And so the whole goal behind our training of Square One is to help everybody do that. Now, if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, man, you know, I really do believe that when, when Jesus gave us the great commission to go and make disciples, that that's what we're supposed to be doing, but I'm not really sure how I do that. And maybe you've tried to do it in a way that you think is the way to do it, but it's not the way that God has wired you to do that. Uh, well, square one is all about learning how we can do that, how we can effectively be a church who is making disciples, who make disciples. So we're learning that 8.30 in the morning on Sundays, you people would prefer to sleep in, get some coffee, things like that. So we will readjust as to when we do this training, and we will let you know so that you can participate in that because we believe it's something that you're really going to benefit from, and once you've gone through it, you'll find yourself an amazing discipleship-making machine, okay? And it'll be you. Uh, and then we have Shower with Hope, and we're going to have a meeting next Sunday, May 15th, 3 o'clock, right here at the church, for anybody that would love to be involved with this fantastic ministry, which is kind of the, 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 the brainchild of uh, one of our own, Ted Hayward. Uh, now, at this meeting at 3 o'clock next Sunday at the 15th, you know, make sure you all know that. Um, here's, here's what you can do. Come to the meeting and, and bring this. What can, you, what can you bring to the project? You know, what's something that you can offer to this project? Do you have skills? Do you have materials that you could, finances to help support it? Uh, just moral support for Ted and everyone else that's working on it? Or dashing good looks? Apparently Evan's showing up to the meeting and that's why he put that <laughs> in there, so. <laughs> um, also, think about, maybe you can dream up some ideas to add to this thing. Uh, certain parts of the project and the trailer, that's, it's, what it is, it's a trailer that's going to provide showers, hygiene, everything for um, our homeless community uh, here in Rapid City. By the way, the, my eighth graders that I teach are working on packaging eight, or not, sorry, 1,000 hygiene packs uh, that will be given and distributed along with this. Uh, so there's all kinds of ways that you can give, and we invite you to be a part of that. Um, you know, they're still dreaming up ideas, so bring an idea. We're not going to guarantee we're going to use the idea, but uh, we, we might be missing that idea. So come and bring that. There's going to be a, it's going to be a project. It is a project. That's what it's called. And projects always take patience. Always takes a little bit of love. Takes a little bit of kindness. But um, I think that common ground can be a big part in bringing this project to its successful, I wouldn't say end, successful beginning uh, to really offering something to our community here. So those are just some of the things that are happening here. Um, right now is our time of social interaction where we kind of get up out of our chairs and we go say hello to each other, greet one another. Uh, you can go say happy Mother's Day to somebody if you'd like, or you can debate whether or not marsupials really do throw their young at predators. That's all up to you. But welcome. We hope you have a fantastic day worshiping the Lord in fellowship with one another.
my signal goes. <laughs> oh, yeah.
as we kind of are introducing the Sermon on the Mount here, I think it's important for us to start with the context of Jesus leading into the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew essentially explains what he's doing there. And so in Matthew chapter 4, he told us essentially everything Jesus said and did, and what the next few chapters are going to be about. In Matthew 4, verse 17, it says this, that from that time on, as Jesus began to minister, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is a fairly dramatic statement by Jesus. This is what Jesus is going to be all about. That's a significant statement. Because this was, in effect, Jesus saying that mankind has kind of been ruling um, the world for long enough. Um, we created these kingdoms and these empires, and it didn't necessarily go all that well, did it? Right? Here Jesus is saying, okay, that time is over. The time has come for the king to retake his throne, for the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdom of this age or the kingdom of this, of this earth, as sometimes the New Testament calls it, but the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, has come near. And Jesus is, in a sense, saying here, with this claim that the kingdom of heaven has come near, He's claiming to be that king, and then he's going to lay out his teaching for what that kingdom looks like. I'm the king, this is my kingdom, and this is how it's going to be. So the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' big statement on the fact that he is retaking the earth, the fact that this kingdom belonged to him the entire time. And then he writes this, this manifesto, as it's called. He, he gives this sermon, this vision of what that kingdom will look like. So this is a big, dramatic statement. This wouldn't have been lost on the original hearers um, at the time when Jesus made that simple claim that the kingdom of heaven has come near. Um, because you see, the story of the Bible, if you go way back up to chapter 2, where God created humans, um, gives us a picture that humans were created um, to rule and subdue the earth with God and on behalf of God. Right? And that went really well until chapter 3. When Everyone did as they saw fit. They're not following God's rule. 
show of hands, has anyone ever read anything in the Bible that maybe you wrestled with and then you thought, wow, I really had to do that. Is that really what God's calling me? Okay. I think we can be honest. Maybe it's just me. Okay, I'm glad it's not just me in that case. Because some of Jesus' teachings are not necessarily the easiest things to live into. Oftentimes, what we want instead um, is to live as the people in the time of the judges were, just as we see today. Well, this is what makes the most sense to me. Or this is what is most comfortable to me. Or this is just what I want, honestly. But I think we have to recognize that even though it's, it's difficult, that this is what we need the most. What we need the most is leaning in to the teachings of Jesus. But we do have to recognize that it's kind of difficult. And so before we enter into the Sermon on the Mount, as we set up this series, um, I'm going to kind of recognize that when we read some of these passages, some warnings sometimes will like flash through our head. An instruction from Jesus, and we have that knee-jerk reaction. Is this really what he's calling to? This seems like it's more risk than reward. It doesn't seem like it's actually going to work out well for me. Is this actually what I want to do? These gut reactions, these warnings, can come up in our hearts and minds. But what we have to recognize is that to live under Jesus' rule and reign, it's a very serious thing. And Jesus was coming to do a serious work. Serious work. Redeeming the world. A serious work of realigning his people with his mission and his cause. And now if you have a serious job to do, a serious work, you need serious tools, right? You need, if you're going to cut down a huge tree, you get Chris with his, what do you have, like 36 inch bar on your chainsaw, right? Serious job takes serious tools. And the job of realigning ourselves with Christ is a serious job. But the thing is, with powerful tools, they come with risks, right? It can be kind of dangerous. I have a few different warning labels here of some tools, some things that are used to accomplish um, serious jobs. Anything, of course, is going to require electricity. And especially like if you've had one of those boxes out in front of your house, you see that apparently in these boxes, if you're going to use electricity, there's a monster that can jump out and kill you. And the other thing, he will tickle you. Okay? And you, you can just kind of look at the news there, Christina. Uh, but we kind of recognize, you know, okay, here's a warning on a chainsaw. You want to make sure you know which hand to hold. Okay. If you ladies out there, or you guys that use uh, hair straighteners, uh, don't use them for your eyebrows or your eyelashes. It's pretty important. You might look great afterwards, but it might not be worth the risk. I don't, okay, I don't know what this one is. Either this guy's having a lot of fun or he's having a bad day. Um, but I imagine, if that's the risk, this must be a powerful tool. This must be something that's really used uh, for an intense purpose. That's... So it's my understanding. Pro tip for you to be moms, or for you people who may want to be moms in the future. Um, but when you, when you wash your child's clothes, make sure you remove the child before washing. Pro tip. <laughs> Save water the other way. So this is actually a sign from my hometown to at or after sunset, you will be attacked by an owl uh, or multiple owls. And so they have these warning signs up all over the park if you're going to be entering one of those times that you could potentially get attacked by an owl. So you need to be careful. Okay. And so we recognize, and this one I think is kind of a joke, I don't think they're actually worried about that. Um, but we recognize that that we kind of scripture and we, and we get these, these fears, these kind of flags, and there's these warning labels on it. And I kind of want to put a warning label on the Sermon on the Mount here as well, because in a sense, 
See, Paul wrote basically an entire chapter and a half about this concept. Um, but at the end of Romans chapter 6, he says this. He says, I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations, right? So he's basically saying, okay, slavery is bad, but I'm using this as an example. Um, that just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves, slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things that you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So to live as citizens of the kingdom, to live with freedom in Christ, as slaves to Christ, but the other option is just slaves to sin, slaves to the world, slaves to the world, the flesh, and the devil. So Jesus' invitation to bring everything to him that was not necessarily easy or comfortable. This is a beautiful call and an invitation for him to allow him to redeem and to rule instead. We can bring this to our loving, gracious Savior. So that's, that's the context of Sermon on the Mount. This is what Jesus is doing here. He lays out his teachings. And as we approach passages that might be kind of difficult. I think the Sermon on the Mount is really good for us to learn because it teaches us how to approach some of those passages of the Bible that we might not necessarily like, we might not necessarily agree, but we approach them with a repentant heart, recognizing that though it's not easy for us to do, this is the call of Christ. And so, now I want to look at essentially the beginning and the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Because as we go through it for the next few weeks, this is really going to kind of help us understand what's happening in the middle of it. And so, starting in Matthew chapter 5, we have this here. Jesus begins. So he adjusts, he just declared, repent, the kingdom of heaven is come near. He calls the disciples to follow him. And Matthew explains that he's teaching the synagogues, he's healing the sick, he's doing all these things. And then this happens in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Okay, so up until recently, uh, we know that the disciples had just kind of been part of the crowd, and he had just called them to follow him. He had just called them to follow him. And the previous chapter reports that um, you know, James and John and Andrew and Peter all left their lives and followed Jesus. And now he's sitting on a mountain. And him sitting on the mountain here is not just pragmatic for the 
Jesus is going to do something significant here. And so Jesus is on his mountain, he's with these disciples, and he opens his mouth to teach. He recognizes this as a spiritually significant moment, this must be something big must be done. And the first word that comes out of Jesus' mouth is bless. Or blessing. Blessing. Okay? And they don't actually just hear it once. Blessing, and as we try to understand it as Jesus meant it, 
your bus. But this is kind of the list of things that we go off to. Because if you read through these later on statements, um, yes, go be peacemakers. That's great. That's beautiful. That could be, that could be a thing. Um, but I don't think it's safe to say that to go be, to be persecuted is a thing, right? Or just go find something to mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. Okay, so we should just go find something to be sad about. Doesn't quite seem like that.
can see how the Sermon on the Mount ends here. It goes all the way to Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says this. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. This is how Jesus sums up the Sermon on the Mount. Like having, having a beach house would be the dream, right? That'd be, that'd be great. And that's a beautiful house they built out on the beach with good view. But to hear these words of Jesus and to not put them into practice is essentially to build your house. Probably not. I don't think we'll be slapping each other in eternity, right? I think Jesus is describing what it looks like for us to live as citizens of the kingdom of heaven now. When there are still people who walk around here as they see fit, I'm going to slap you in the face in terms that we can actually live this out now, that we can actually put into practice Jesus' words now. We can build our lives on this. We can build our lives I think this is going to be an important thing that we need to remind ourselves over and over again, especially as we come up to some of the harder teachings. Some of the teachings, like, somebody stops you. 
spirit realm, or maybe I'm interpreting the teaching on in a false way. Um, but what he's saying is that when we criticize the teachings of Jesus, it really doesn't really say much about Jesus, it's saying something about himself. And this is why Jesus begins his whole teaching with a call to repent. Repent in your This call
get out and get through the Sermon on the Mount. After the Beatitudes, most of the Sermon on the Mount is fairly easy to interpret. It's not going to be all that complicated. Most of it's pretty clear. Um, like when we get to passages that say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, I probably don't have to do too much interpretation on that, aside from just giving some examples of what that might look like. Um, but a lot of it's going to be clear. And so we don't always have the option to, to explain away and say, Because again, 
Every precious one shall you die to save. If you gave your life to love them, so will I. Like you would again a hundred billion times. But what measure could amount to your desire? You're the one. 